I'm Paul Minzenmeyer with High Cotton Farms in Ballinger, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's always great to have you along for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we're still seeing a shrinking cow herd. And a couple of reasons for that may be the drought and high calf prices. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A right to farm and ranch constitutional amendment has the support of a growing coalition of agricultural and non-agricultural organizations. I'm Tom Nicolotti and I'll have more straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Looking at how things are going right now when it comes to international currencies, the Mexican peso is pretty strong. And that's been good news for U.S. beef. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The July cattle inventory report released last week shows a continually shrinking cow herd with no signs of herd rebuilding. Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson says there are two likely reasons for that. One is, if we looked at where in the U.S. we continue to have drought, we've got serious drought conditions in the in the, the Great Plains, particularly Kansas and Nebraska. Those are large beef cow states, and so as drought has also radiates beyond those areas into the Corn Belt, into Missouri, which is also a large beef cow state, and the rest of the plains, you know, really drought affects our ability to expand. The other thing that's shrinking cow numbers is record high prices. The high prices we're seeing now for cattle, in fact, in some markets, record high calf prices. We certainly had record high fed cattle prices earlier this year. Uh, those prices really you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a market signal to produce more, but it's also a market signal to say, boy, those prices are great. I think I'm going like to sell these animals into this rising and record high market. And so we're in this period where the you know, prices indicate that we, we might want to expand if we can, yet prices are so high it encourages us to sell. Anderson thinks the record high prices will stick around for a while. In fact, he's forecasting those prices to get even higher as we move into next year. The upcoming Texas Pecan Growers Conference will feature a mini pecan short course. To help Texans who are interested in growing pecans, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will host a mini pecan short course July 31st in Denton. 
It is part of the Texas Pecan Growers Conference and Trade Show. During the short course, experts and producers from across the United States will cover some of the most common issues the industry faces today. It is a quick introduction to pecan growing for those who may be new to the industry, and it's a scaled-down version of the Texas Pecan Short Course that is offered in January. Interested participants must register for the Texas Pecan Growers Conference to attend. A link to register is available at today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A farm bill extension is very likely at this point. House Agriculture Committee Chairman G.T. Thompson says Congress will likely need to extend the existing farm bill due to delays caused by unrelated legislation. Thompson says the farm bill is now set to be drafted for markup in mid-September. An opportunity to protect farming and ranching in the Texas Constitution is coming up this fall. Tom Nicoletti has more. Texas voters will see a right-to-farm and ranch constitutional amendment on the November 7th statewide election ballot. Passage of this amendment is crucial in protecting not only everyday farm and ranch practices, but also to ensure Texans' access to safe and affordable food and fiber in the future. State Representative Dwayne Burns from Cleburne was instrumental in passage of legislation in the Texas legislature. This constitutional amendment will make sure that when cities or counties or even the state pass laws or regulating farming and ranching, that it must do so in the interest of public safety. And not just because we think it could provide some protection in public safety, but because there is clear and convincing evidence that that regulation is necessary to protect the public. So sets a higher bar, sets a great standard for us as an industry. It's just crucial that we get it across the finish line. Representative, you are heading up a campaign from this point onward until the November 7th election to get this constitutional amendment passed. And as part of that effort is creating a coalition with agricultural groups across the state and and other entities to make sure that the citizens of Texas know what this constitutional amendment is all about and why it should be passed. When I think of this amendment, the face of the amendment is all Texans. If you're involved in agriculture, if you're involved in any way in producing, transporting, selling, or consuming agricultural products, which is pretty much all Texans, this amendment affects you. And so we've created and started to create a coalition created a right to farm pack that folks can contribute to and be a part of in order to help the effort. That is State Representative Dwayne Burns. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. International economics are affecting U.S. beef exports, but James Hunt tells us there is a bright spot in this down year for exports. As we talked about yesterday, year-to-date totals show U.S. beef exports are down 10% in volume here in 2023. But one particular bright spot is Mexico. U.S. beef export volume to that country is up by 13%. Joe Sheely of the U.S. Meat Export Federation says overall, the Mexican economy is doing well and the Mexican peso is especially strong. Strong not only relative to the U.S. dollar, but importantly, very strong relative to some of our other trading partner currencies, uh, relative to the Korean won, the Japanese yen, etc. And so with that peso maintaining a strong level, 
Mexican buyers have been able to compete for perhaps some beef cuts that would have previously gone to Asia or to some other markets. The situation that is helping U.S. beef flow into Mexico is something we hear about often when it comes to agricultural trade. In many cases, the pace of exports is dictated by how healthy the currencies of individual countries are. So right now, a strong peso is a boost to U.S. beef exports. However, it's the exact opposite situation for another important market, Japan, where U.S. beef exports are down 15%. In Japan, we feel like consumer spending is really getting squeezed by a persistent inflation in Japan, uh, persistently weak yen, and it appears that there's some trading down, both retail and food service, where they're looking for lower-priced food options. Joe Sheely says USMEF has begun promoting less expensive cuts to help maintain Japanese demand for U.S. beef. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We now go to the coastal bend of Texas where we're checking in with Harvey Buring for a harvest update. And Harvey, it looks like cotton harvest now underway there in the coastal bend. Yes, a little bit earlier than usual. And when you start harvesting cotton in the latter part of July in the coastal bend, you know the crop has gotten shorter than the farmers really wanted it to get. And that is all because of the lack of rainfall here during the month of July, the latter part of June. Also, no rain and the crop began blooming in the top, as I reported here a couple weeks back. And it's all resulting in an early maturing crop with or less pounds out there in the fields than was earlier anticipated. So it sounds like what you're saying is the potential size of this crop is going to be smaller than most farmers would like. Well, that's true. And in today's time and age with bow weevil eradication and better varieties, a lot of our dryland farmers have become accustomed to seeing some two bale plus yields. And uh, that is likely not to happen unless there's a few isolated areas that got timely rainfall. And so the information I'm getting from some farmers who've looked at their crops as they've dropped the leaves on them, you know, they'll probably comfortably have a bale and a quarter to a bale and a half, hoping that'll cover all the expenses involved in growing the crop. So remains to be seen on the yield side as to what will be coming out of the fields. But in my estimation, uh, that's pretty close to what I'm seeing in most fields, a bale and a quarter area will catch a lot of these fields. Later planted fields may not be able to get much better than a bale. And some of those that caught some decent rain may be up to a bale and a half, bale and three quarter. Well, Harvey, with harvest starting this early, should we expect it to last well into August? Yes, and these, of course, these large capacity round bale pickers that are operating now in many instances can cover 100 acres a day. And I uh, just came up on a convoy uh, moving to a field just a few minutes ago that had three of those pickers. And uh, most of the time, these custom operators do operate three or four in a field. So they can move through these fields pretty rapidly as they are ready for harvest. The Uasis County farmers reduced the size of the cotton crop a little bit, but uh, they typically produce anywhere between 200 and 250,000 acres of cotton each year. And here in Uasis County, we're closer to the 200,000 acres. They, our neighbors to the north in San Patricio County, possibly producing around 230 to 240,000 acres of cotton this year surrounding counties of Clayburg and 
Jim Wells, as well as the Refugio and Bee County, all make up another 100,000 acres. So all in all, we hope we'll have a crop well over a million acres here from the coastal bend, and hopefully we'll be at nearly a million and a half bales as season draws to the close here in about a month's time here in the coastal bend. Thanks, Harvey. That is Harvey Buring reporting from the Coastal Bend in the Corpus Christi area. The first deadline for Parks and Wildlife's Drawn Hunts program is approaching. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a Texas A&M researcher is working to improve beef cattle systems in South Texas. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? Well, I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Dr. Milt Thomas of Texas A&M is working to improve beef cattle systems in South Texas. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at his work. He is working at the AgriLife station in Beeville. Dr. Thomas has worked all over the world breeding cattle, and now he's back in South Texas and is focused on genetics to help the cattle industry. Cattle subtropical climates, such as the Gulf Coast of Texas, are challenged by high temperatures and high humidity, so most have some Brahmin genetics. His latest project will characterize the genetic variations of grazing traits in a subtropical environment and investigate how these traits are influenced by ambient temperature and humidity. The United States Department of Agriculture is involved and will be moving part of the germplasm evaluation project from Nebraska to Beeville. The project will evaluate Brahman Crosses, Beefmaster, Brangus, and Santa Gertrudis cattle. The germplasm evaluation was being performed on these breeds in Nebraska, which is not really where these cattle are raised, so moving the portion to Beeville makes sense. The genetic selection of beef cattle has helped livestock performance improve, and the primary tool for genetic selection is the expected progeny difference, or EPD. Thomas indicates that there is a greater need to understand the effects of the environment on cattle, and he is focusing on grazing traits. He also indicates when they first started studying cattle in Beeville, the cows weighed 1,000 pounds or less, and now they are 1,300 and 1,500 pounds, and this makes a difference. To determine grazing patterns, the cattle will be fitted with a GPS ear tag that will track the cow's movement. Also, a bolus will be placed in the cow's rumen to track their movements, the amount of water they drink, and their body temperature. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The first deadline for Texas Parks and Wildlife's Drawn Hunts program is approaching. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. If you are looking for an opportunity to hunt white-tailed deer, turkey, mule deer, dove, quail, or even alligator this year, you might want to check out the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's Drawn Hunts catalog. Each year, TPWD offers permits for drawn hunts on public and private lands. Kelly Edmiston, TPWD's Public Hunting Coordinator for the Wildlife Division, joins us with more. 
by providing public hunting opportunity, Parks and Wildlife is basically putting into effect what it advocates to private landowners, that basically hunting is a key component to wildlife management in Texas. And so we have been involving the public in managing the resource on state-run wildlife management areas since the 1950s. I think 1954 was the first year that we did a drawn public hunt to let public hunters on a state-run wildlife management areas to go deer hunting. And it was the cur way back in the day. And we have been doing that ever since. In the 70s, we added state parks to the list of sites that we did drawn hunts for. So we have been doing drawn hunts for quite a while. We've even added private lands to the mix. In addition to doing drawings on our own property, we assist the National Wildlife Refuges of Texas and draw hunters for them. The hunts take place on National Wildlife Refuges, and those hunts are administered by refuge staff rather than state staff, but we do do the draws for them. And so there's a lot of opportunity to somebody who's looking for a place to go or maybe a type of species hunting that they're not normally doing to go on our website and apply for. Application deadlines are the 1st and 15th of every month. The first deadline is coming up on August 1st. Details are available on the TPWD website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle markets moved higher Wednesday as the grain markets took a big drop. We'll look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I wasn't. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Well, listen in the barn, skill loader, tractor, then just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on in the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market started out lower on Wednesday, but we turned things around and headed higher as the grain markets collapsed throughout the trading day. We ended up higher in both live and feeder cattle with August live cattle up 37 cents, 178.67. The October up 35, 179.95. December live cattle up 25 cents. At 183.55. Same thing on the feeder cattle. August feeders up 97 cents, 244.20. September feeders up $1.10, 247.45. October feeder cattle up $1.05 at 249.45. Cash fed cattle market still slow for the week. We've only sold less than 3,000 head. Big range in price on those cattle, 180 to 190. Again, though, just a couple thousand head, not enough for a market test this week. Looks like the Packers have been bidding 175 here in the Southern Plains. Feedlots don't seem very interested in that lower price. Boxed beef was mixed on Wednesday. Choice down 37, 30385. Select up 295 at 28050. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan, my guest. Jordan Cattle Auction Mason. How'd the Monday sale go, Ken? You bet, Larry. We had right at 675 head of cattle today. Uh, thought overall a decent run. Very warm again today. Uh, thought overall the market continued this week again with a strong tone, kind of like it has been. We've seen a lot of increase in the last four or five weeks. I thought today stocker steers uh, and heifers both sold uh, fully steady today. We got a group of uh, steers. I think it's like four steers in the deal. We got 33 at 263. 
well over fourteen hundred dollars on those five weights. I know a few year steers probably sold maybe steady to five dollars lower. Uh, just uh, the board kind of dropped a little bit based on corn increase, some of the dry weather we've had, corn belt, that sort of thing. I thought the overall feeder heifer sold steady, uh, very strong active market liner. Packer cows and bulls, I thought both sold steady too. Red cows and bears, uh, really no training on them today, just a limited test on those. So overall, still a very, very strong market, Larry. Now we've got a San Saba sale come Thursday. You bet. we got several groups of calves that are going to be there. Uh, and we got one group that's been weaned already about 60 days, and then we got the Samondian cows that are going to show up. So I look for a pretty good run uh, this week. Yeah, especially where this market continues to be as strong as it is, Larry. We're seeing a little bit the hot, as the hot heat continues on. Uh, some of this grass is getting dry. We still have a lot of grass. A little concern on some few fires, all that. So some of these cattle may go ahead and move instead of trying to put more weight on or something like that is what I kind of see, Larry. Tell everybody how to contact you. You bet. Then just call or go 325 372-5159. Also, go to our website for updated information at jordan.com. Ken, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you, sir. And, neighbor, we thank you for listening to Walk in the Pens here Monday through Friday on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening to Meet Larry Marble right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market where lean hogs finished steady to lower Wednesday. August contract unchanged at 101.65. October hogs down 75, 83.62. Class 3 milk mixed as well. July milk up 2 cents, 13.80 a hundred weight. August down 39, 16.98 a hundred. The cotton market managed to close higher as hot, dry weather continues across the entire cotton belt. October cotton up 143 points, 89.98. December cotton up 86 at 87.93. Big drop in the corn and wheat markets. In fact, we've given back practically all that big gain that we saw on Monday. No fresh news out of the Russia-Ukraine war. Seems to be a big factor. Sellers came into the market and possibly took some profits and pushed the market lower. September corn down 17 and a quarter, 540 and a quarter. December corn down 17 cents, 548 and a quarter. The March contract down 17 and a half at 559 a bushel. Even bigger drop in the wheat markets. September Kansas City wheat dropped 47 and a half, 865 and a quarter. September Chicago wheat down 40 and a quarter at 720 a bushel. In the energy markets, August natural gas down 8 cents at 264. September West Texas crude oil down 71 at 7892 a barrel. The financial markets were narrowly mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow was up 82 points at 35,520. The Nasdaq down 17, 14,127. The S&P unchanged at 4,566. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.